Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners. I have a question for you today. It's a big question. It's a deep question. Are you ready for it? What are you doing because of fear? What decisions are you making based on fear? What in your life are you holding back on doing because of fear? those massive what-ifs, those worries, those concerns, those things that you are so scared of. If you're like me, there's quite a few decisions you've made based on fear. Today, in this episode, we are going to dig into how do we make decisions that are based on our intuition and our inner knowing and that soul calling to us rather than making decisions based on fear. This is a juicy episode with a really inspiring guest. Our guest today is Katie Kremitzos. She is an entrepreneur and a podcaster. In fact, she has a podcast network with eight podcasts in it. It's the Women's Meditation Network. Her network gets over a million downloads a month. Yes, I said one million. All those zeros. She has found the formula for doing what she loves and making an amazing living doing it. She's also the mother of two young girls and the co-founder of PodFest Expo, the world's largest podcasting conference. Now, you all know I'm a podcaster. Hello, you're listening to my podcast. And I have a company that is all based on podcasting. That's my business. And I love to coach people to podcast. I think it's the best way to have your voice heard. And Katie and her husband, Chris, are passionate about helping independent podcasters create community and elevate their craft. So I'm a giant fan of the work they do. I think you are going to really enjoy this episode and learning more about Katie. Have fun listening. Hello, Radical Audacity listeners. As you heard in the introduction, I am here today with the amazing Katie Kremitzos and I am so excited about this conversation that we are going to have today. I want to welcome you to the show, Katie. Thank you for being here. Tiffany, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. Uh, I told everybody in the introduction how we met, that we we've, we're in this podcasting world together, and you and your husband planned PodFest Expo, and you're like a podcasting extraordinaire with millions of downloads a week on your podcast. Like you've hit a sweet spot in podcasting and everything. But this show is about kind of the underlying stuff, right? Like the the living your life in a way that led you to live this different I mean you live a little differently. You 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 create conferences and you do podcasting and all of this crazy stuff and you have a family. So I really want to dig in to your life and your story a little bit more and what led you kind of to create this beautiful, different, lovely life that you live now. Um, do you have a story from your, your past, your youth? Like, where do you think this started, this way that you live? Yeah, it is very different, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, I love it. Uh, I, everyone on your show has has this kind of river running through them of, you know, I'm creating my own path some way, somehow. Um, it's so funny. I was just yesterday, I was starting to listen to the audiobook The War of Art. And I, I'm only like five minutes in, so I'm not going to pretend that I can tell you the point of the story. But 
the first part of the story of the whole introduction was about how, you know, typically we live these unlived lives and there's so much fear. And so we don't lean into discomfort. And so we end up living these lives that are that are just kind of like blah, when there's really this life over here that we should be living. And I turned it off and I'm like, that is not the life that I live. <laughs> there have been so many, so many very intentional um, and some unintentional m- moments that have really put me on this path of of living, I think, this really weird, fun, really creative, cool life that I get to live. So, you know, I think one of the very first moments that I is very vivid in my mind, um, although I'm sure that there are plenty before them, uh, of of making a very conscious decision to live in my own, like according to my own ways, even though it was completely different, was I was 18 years old and I was in college at Arizona State. And, you know, the the story behind this was that I had always been like the student athlete. Um, you know, when I graduated, I got, you know, all these all these scholarships to go off to university, basically paying for college for, you know, the four four years that I was gonna be there. Um, and I was also I was an athlete. I was a pretty, pretty, you know, a uh, good athlete, specifically in softball. I loved softball. Mm. And um, and I didn't think in high school, I just, all I thought was that, cool, I'm going off to college, like no big deal. I've got all these academic scholarships. That's great. So fast forward a couple months, I'm at Arizona State University. It's like two months into my freshman year. And I just realized like, God, I really miss playing softball. Like I really miss playing that because I wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the plan, right? Like the plan was go off and go to free university. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, what can I do about this? And so I ended up going and trying to walk on uh, to to Arizona State's team at the time. This is in 1997. And, you know, I make the first cut, make the second cut, super excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be real. I'm going to be like on the ASU team. This is great. And the final cut, I get cut. And I was so disappointed. (laughs) I was so disappointed. I was one of those athletes that like my heart was so much better than my talent. My talent was good, but it, I didn't, I wasn't like that girl over there who really didn't never had to practice and she was, would always show up better than me. That was, that was me, Mm -hmm. but I had the heart like Rudy. And so, um, but I did not make the team. It broke me. And here I was, um, it was October, I think. So literally two months into college. And I was just like, oh, I still really want to play. And so I kind of went inside and I was just like contemplating, like, what could I do about this? Like, if I still want to play and I really love this college experience and I didn't get the easy option to let me have both, what is the possibility there? So long story short, um, I'm, I have learned to be incredibly resourceful in my life and just ask the question like, well, how? And then let's see what comes up. So I found out that there were a lot of local uh, community college teams. I drove 10 minutes away to the to the nearest one, and I went and tried out for Mesa Community College, and I made the softball team there, Yay! which was great, <laughs> right? Except the requirements to be able to play on that team were that you had to be a full-time student at that college. And guess what the requirements were at Arizona State in order for me to keep this four-year, all-everything-paid-for scholarship that I had? I had to be a full-time student over there. <sighs> So here I was going, okay, I do know enough to know that I cannot be a student athlete with 24-hour credits. Like, I can't, that's not right. really, I mean, I probably could, but like, I don't think so. That's burnout city. <laughs> so um, so how am I going to do this? And so I just, I just thought about it a long time. And I was like, do, basically, it came down to this. Do I give up this desire to still play softball or do I give up the money of this promised education, a paid-for education? And oh I my gosh, call- like just listening to the story, my stomach's kind of in knots. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I call my mom. Remember, I'm 18 years old. I'm call- I call my mom and I'm like, Ma, here's the pros and cons. And I don't know. I feel really torn. Like, I still really want to play. Like, there's this fire in me. I still really want to play. I'm not done yet. And I like I know how important and valuable that scholarship is. So and she did what my parents are so amazing at and I think contribute a lot to this life that I live, which is she just said, just listen, Katie, whatever you choose, you'll be fine. That's what I know. Whatever you choose, you'll be fine. She did not tell me what to do. She just let me make my own decision. So at 18 years old, which I consider to be very young, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was making some big adult decisions. And so guess what decision I made? 
softball. Yep. I made the decision to go play softball because that fire within me was still strong enough that I just kept thinking, I will regret if I don't follow this. Mm -hmm. I will, you know, be 20 years into my life going, God, I still had some play in me. I still had some dirt ready to, to, to sink into, you know? So here's the reality. You would think that the story ends there and you would think that, oh, that means I completely shut down, you know, everything for the university. Well, that's not true. Resourceful Katie was like, well, okay, well, I really love this life of living on campus because that was not the community college lifestyle. Like, but I love mm-hmm. this university lifestyle, living on campus and being involved. I had gotten really involved by that point. So how do I keep this? Well, I found out that in order to be eligible to live in the dorms, you only needed to have one class. You only needed to take three credits, basically. So for the next however many years, I took one credit at Arizona State and my life was lived there. And I would go and take my, you know, do all of my other school and play softball at uh, at Mesa Community College. And I did that for about two years. I had had other um, other scholarships that I got that sort of like were able to sort of trickle me through those two years. And then what happened? Again, you would think that the story would end there. What happened is two years later, I was done with softball. I was like, yep, I'm done. I, I don't think I've picked up a, a mitt since. So like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with this. Fire went out. Yeah. I had, Now at the time, you know, freshman year, I'd had these big plans of, you know, I'm going to be a professional softball player. Like I'm going to the community college and to, you know, the university and I'm going pro. Like that's what I'm going to do. I might be the first woman playing in the major leagues. Like I really wanted that. And um, two years later, I was like, nope, done. I'm done. This 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 dream is done. I've I've scratched that itch. I'm good. And so you would think that I would look back on that decision I made in in my college dorm room thinking like, "Oh my god, what did I do?" But I didn't mm-hmm. I felt zero regret. Instead, where I was is I was, you know, however many steps forward in my particular journey with new information, new experience, I was a new mm-hmm. person and I said, "Okay, what do I want now? And how can I get that?" Well, so I turned around and I said, "Okay, now I want to go to Arizona State full time, and I want to be a full time student there. So, and I, I, I don't want to pay for it. So, how do I do that? <laughs> so, I became an RA, a resident assistant, and they paid for my room and board. I basically just paid for tuition, which yeah, I was an in state student, so it wasn't that much. I worked on the side, and I loved it. I was there for three more years before I graduated, and I just I loved every second of it. So, that is just a little small example of me sort of flexing that muscle in my early adult Mm -hmm. years of saying like, I'm going to fall, I still have something here, or I'm hearing this thing, I need to follow it, even though I can't even tell you how many people thought I was so stupid Mm -hmm. for dropping all of that money, right? Like just completely walking away from all of the paid for education. And how grateful I am that I don't have parents who are going to put that in my face and tell me, oh, sorry, you said you, you know, this is what you wanted, you better, you better do it or, you know, but who really supported like, hey, follow follow what you know to be right and everything will work out. And it has, and it continues to. There's two things I really love about that story. The first one, this is absolutely my philosophy on life. Every hell no has a heck yes somewhere, right? (laughs) So you got the hell no at at softball at the university and you're like, but there's gotta be another way to do this. I feel the fire burning inside. And so then the second part of that story that I love is you listened to that call inside you. And I think so many times as a society, women especially, but I think men too, um, we we don't listen to that for whatever reason. There's there's the shame involved of giving up on a scholarship or there's the, oh, a community college versus a university or the, I don't know, probably a plethora of things people said to you. But you said, I have a fire burning inside me. And I think what you said about flexing that muscle early on, my guess is this wasn't the first time you flexed that muscle, that you were probably a very precocious child that flexed (laughs) that muscle all the time. Um, But you, you had that knowing inside yourself that I have to follow this fire. And if I don't, I'm killing a part of myself. Yes. And I just think that's so beautiful. So now I'd love to fast forward a little bit. You continue to live your life flexing that muscle, listening to that fire. What's another area that you've done that where you've turned your heck no's into heck yeses and you've listened to that fire inside yourself? I mean, uh, every day it seems like, but I'll, I'll make it, I'll, I'll tell the story of a couple notables. Um, 
another you know moment I can really zone in on is when I became an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, that story starts with the fact that I did not know what the word entrepreneur was until I was 22. Um, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs that was not part of our language, uh, very lower middle class, blue collar family. Um, and so, you know, here I was sort of after I graduated ASU, I came out to Florida and, you know, got my master's here and, um, and I had come out here with the intention of becoming, like going on and getting my PhD, becoming a, P a, a professor, a college professor. Mm -hmm. And within three what months- What were you studying, by the way? Uh, so communication, um, okay. I ironically not broadcast communication, but like <laughs> the study of how humans communicate, which is fascinating mm -hmm. to me. If you're a people watcher and you really are fascinated by how people work and how they do things, that's what I studied. So I studied like, oh, you know, what those, what the beautiful pink headphones, what, what are they communicating about, you know, who you are? <laughs> and, uh, and then the communication between couples and teams. And it's just, it is a beautiful, um, discipline, but it's also very vague in the sense of like, I can't like stick a thing in here and say, okay, now I'm going to. I go to nursing school. Great. I'm going to be a nurse. You know, like right. I go to architecture school. I'm going to be an architect. Like that's not that's not communication at all. So there's a lot of vagueness and figuring out of that discipline. So I came out here thinking I was going to be a professor. I always had a minor in women's studies. I was oh, from a little girl. I've always been incredibly passionate about women and mm -hmm. our kind of journey in life and our shared experience, even though it is incredibly diverse <laughs> um, and all over the board. Um, and so I just always had these, this passion of communication and women. And so uh, it took three months, once again, took three months of, you know, being in my master's degree for me to be like, I do not like this. I don't like this, you know, yuckiness of the structure and the, uh, what felt very like um, forceful of like how the academic system has to work and you better fit in it or you're not. And so I was like, yeah, no. So I finished my degree. And then went off and sort of like fluttered around and tried to figure out how to get a job. And eventually I landed in healthcare. I worked for the Alzheimer's Association for a couple of years and then worked for um, like a senior living community for a couple of years. And it was good. Like I found jobs that were, you know, uh, that, fit, that sort of fit my personality. I was out and about talking to people and, and somewhere along those lines, I was, uh, oh my goodness, how old was I? 28, 29 somewhere around there. And I realized like, ah, I just something doesn't feel right. Like, I don't want I don't want to climb this ladder. Like, mm -hmm. I in somewhere in my head, I kept thinking, like, if I just got the next best job, it'll be better. Yeah. And I can't say that I changed jobs enough to prove myself wrong that way. But something in me just knew like, this is not a matter of finding the right job. Like, what do I want to do? Well, I've always wanted to be a writer, always wanted to be a writer in some way that's always really resonated with me. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to be a writer. And so it's a very long story. That's actually pretty intertwined with my um, love story with my husband, but I'll skip that point for now. But really I started writing this book about how to find true love. And in that endeavor, in that journey, I ended up stumbling upon these, um, these sort of business meetup groups that were happening. Mm. And, um, and I knew enough to know like, okay, I, I don't need to be around other writers. I need to be be around other business people because I need to know how to sell and make uh, how to sell this book and make a living, right? So my husband was the one, my now husband is the one who's organizing all of those events as, you know, no surprise to you. <laughs> He's yeah. like the master events guy. And so uh, to make a very long story short, very quickly, I started down that beautiful rabbit hole of entrepreneurship. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. Like I was around all these people, all these creatives who were trying to make a go at, at professionalizing things that they really love. And some of those folks were very far ahead in their journeys and and were good and constantly evolving and still here because they wanted to 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 constantly, you know, learn stuff. And some of us were just beginning and like, what I don't know what the, what's marketing? What? <laughs> um and so my husband and I get together. I'm still working my job and it's a couple you know, it's a couple months into it. I'm sort of figuring out how to like put my book out there and just really sell it. And um, and I I know that I'm ignorant, but I'm loving this concept of entrepreneurship, right? And so it's just a couple of months into like my this endeavor of mine, and I'm like, 
I'm ready to quit my job. I want to go full force into this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my husband was just, had just started his local company, which was a business owner's organization. He was like a year into it. And in his head, he was like, oh my God, please stay with your stable job right now. Please. (laughs) Like, I'm just, this is just a startup right now. (laughs) And I told, and he didn't say those things to me, of course. Um, He, you know, he's a, he's a dreamer himself. And so he was like, um, you know, what are you going to do? I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to work every day for two weeks. And if every day for two weeks, I, I answer this question. If I were going to die next month, is this how I would want to spend my time? If I answer that with a hell no, I'm going to quit my job. And if I answer any of those with, yeah, I would, then I'll keep on going until, you know, until I feel otherwise. And every day for a week, I went to work and or for two weeks, I went to work. And every day for two weeks, I said, hell no, this is not how I would want to spend my time. And two weeks later, I quit. <laughs> wow. With like 30 grand oh God, in the bank. That. And I'm a relatively risk averse. I shouldn't say risk averse. In the world of entrepreneurship, I tend to stay on the more. I like stability. I, I want to have, you know, I want to be smart about my risks. And so even with all of that, I was like, 30 grand in my bank. I'm good. I'll cash in a 401k. I'll figure this out. I'll be able to get this book out there and make it me five grand a month in like three months. <laughs> so ignorant. <laughs> so anyway, to make a very long story short, we um, I ended up actually kind of like putting that book to the side and diving head in into the business with my husband because I knew he had this thing going already. And OK, like I'm going to I'm going to go in because if both of us can get our hands in this and really put our energy towards it, then we can really get it to where it needs to be. And by then I had become so passionate about entrepreneurship and that's who we were serving. And so it just fit this beautiful niche for me. So. We call those years our peanut butter and jelly years because that's pretty much what we could afford to eat on a regular basis. I totally um, understand. <laughs> and and I'm super grateful. I wouldn't have had it any other way because, again, everyone else around me, my parents especially, although they were incredibly soft about how to approach me, but everyone around me was like, are you nuts? How would you, how, okay, Katie, give us six months and you, you better go back so you could get health, health insurance and have all those safety things, right? Um, I actually lost a whole group of friends over this uh, move because... Mm-hmm. They're beautiful and lovely people and who they are and what they know is the very safe, I use that in air quotes, corporate life. And after I did not heed their warnings of only giving it six months, they, you know, we just kind of naturally went away from each other because our values did not match anymore. And I think it was very painful for them to see the kind of risk I was willing to tolerate for the kind of life I I knew I deserved. Um, So yeah, that's yet another moment. And um, there have been many more like that where, you know, there is this thing, there's this voice inside of me saying, I want this, or I want more, or I want different. How, how in the world can I make that happen? Because there's always an answer to the how. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then am I brave enough to move forward one little baby step, or maybe a giant leap sometimes. The stronger that muscle gets, I'm more willing to take giant leaps. Um, and that's why actually the Women's Meditation Network exists, because it because it was a big giant like thought that was completely different than what I was doing at the time. That's a whole nother story. But um, I definitely want to dig into that. Yeah. But can we pause for a second? Yeah. Because I feel like we're a little bit of kindred spirits in this um safety and security thing. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I came from a 20-year career in public education, tenured, like, doesn't get much more secure than that. Like, I'm not going to get fired as long as I'm not, don't, like, create some, do some heinous crime, right? Um, And I have never felt so suffocated. Like, those last five or six years actually felt intensely suffocating. So it was almost like the safety and security was too much. Like there was no room for growth and expansion. Yeah. And so many people don't understand that, right? Um, I would love to dig in with you just just for a second, because I know the people listening, so many are curious about this. Like what actually is safety and security? Because I have come to a new understanding of it. I've really, 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 really thought about this a lot. And I would love to hear from you. What is your actual definition of that? 
According to my ego or according to like my true self? <laughs> true self. True self. Because yeah. ego, ego tells us all kinds of I stories. I know. Ego is going to tell me like I need X, Y, Z in order to be safe and secure, which is a different yeah, definition really than even your typical, I think, definition of that. But, you know, I think, um, I think for me, like safety and security is ultimately knowing that I am okay no matter what. Like, and I, I have done this quite often in my past where I will walk myself down the worst case scenario and say, especially in these, in these moments of quitting my job, of, you know, of taking a business venture that I don't know if it's going to work or not. And, and I, you know, my husband and I are both entrepreneurs, so we, we have a very unconventional life together. Um, and so I have walked myself down this path of like, okay, what if this doesn't work? And I get very real about this. So I say mm-hmm. like, okay, if this doesn't work, there's going to be a point, like I'm going to be, I'll charge everything on credit cards for as long as I can. You know, I will, you know, <laughs> minimize expenses because I've done this. Like, yeah. you know, I will charge everything on credit cards as, as much as I can, as long as I can and pay some minimums. And I have done that in seasons and then been able to pay things down and eventually off, which is great. Um, and then worst case scenario, if I, if like the cash just isn't rolling in and I can't pay, like my mortgage goes into foreclosure, like I literally, this was back in uh, 2009, 2010 in these early years. And, you know, the real estate market was not wonderful back then. So I was like, okay, well, I could probably, I could probably get away for just not like not being able to pay for probably like six to nine months. I could probably still live here six to nine months. And then if they seize my property, um, then I'm, I can always go live with my mom and dad. I can always go live with my, with my siblings. Right. And that was before kids. I could still do this now. Like I have people around me who will take care of me and love me in my most vulnerable and weakest state. Mm-hmm. And I'm not and I'm not talking just financially, I'm talking emotionally, too. So I feel like my husband and I very much are kindred spirits in the sense of like, he's got my soul and I've got his. Mm. And, and then together as a unit, we have our families, our girls. And so I feel like we will take care of each other. And should should the, you know, the resources that allow us to sort of, quote, unquote, live in this everyday life not exist anymore or are just not there anymore for an extended period of time. Like we have a safety net and the safety net is, is family, is friends, Mm -hmm. are people, you know, I, I'm so blessed that I have people who are not blood relation to me who would easily say, yes, absolutely. Come and live with us. You and your family come live with, with us, eat at our table for however long you need. We have quite a few of those people. And I feel like that is my safety and security. Now my ego in moments of like financial stress and financial like oh like oh the cash flow oh the cash flow mm-hmm. moments right like mm-hmm. my ego wants to come up and say that that's terrifying and that's a life or death situation and I have to talk her down and tell her yeah. thank you very much for worrying about me but that's this actually isn't a life or death situation because that's just part of playing this game right like mm-hmm. those moments those losing moments are part of playing this game of of entrepreneurship or really parting playing this game of life in yeah. in a way that's meaningful in my opinion um i'm willing to take those risks because i'm not willing to have a conventional life i'm not willing to live unhappily i am not willing to have according to you know the uh the the war of art i am not willing to have a life unlived so I mm. will lean into those very uncomfortable moments. I will dive into the giant pools of fear because I know on the other end of that, there is oxygen and I am always okay. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> I love the whew, energy you just had with that. I love that so much. I find ego, my ego, man, she's she's having a heyday with my new entrepreneurial journey. Oh like, yeah, I'm sure. Every day, every <laughs> uh-huh. day, every mm-hmm. day. But my soul and my spirit, I have never felt so energized. And it's a crazy dichotomy, crazy, yeah. crazy place I'm living right now because I'm a baby entrepreneur. I'm just, I mean, and we've up all been until there. June, I had a paycheck, right? Yeah. And health insurance and retirement. So like, this is all brand new. But man, yeah. I've realized that Safety and security for me is the space and freedom to be creative and follow my ideas. I just get so excited when the idea fairies come to visit and they're like, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, hey, 
let's try it out. And to me, safety and security is feeling okay with failure, like where it's like, we'll try it out. And if it fails, oh, well, at least we tried it. Yeah. And um, that's my big giant goal in life is to get to that beautiful, safe, secure place where where it's just that beautiful freedom to explore. So anyway, that's just, I'm digressing a little. I mean, I just want to make sure, you know, I totally, I have been there. Like in our first couple of years of me, you know, quitting my job, I was always, there is definitely an employee mindset that is drilled into me ever since I was young and making a paycheck, right? In my teens, making Mm -hmm. a paycheck. So when I quit my job, even though I had this money, like the first time that check did not come in, I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. And I I could only, I couldn't articulate this then, but I can now is I allowed fear to drive my actions. And guess mm-hmm. what happens when fear drives your actions? You get more of things that look very fearful and that fear really dances yes. with, right? And I learned, I had yes. to learn the hard way because that energy showed up in our business that my husband mm-hmm. and I ran back then. And because I was always looking at the runway. Okay, we only have X amount of months of, of money left in the bank to pay mortgage because that's the only thing I can I have to pay cash with. Everything else I can pay with credit card, right? Uh, for the business, we only have X amount of you know days or months or or uh, you know however long in, in order before we can't pay our our team anymore before we go out of business, right? And my husband knew this because he had been an entrepreneur ever since he was in diapers, and so he's like, "Dude, you have got to shift this mentality." <laughs> and it took a couple of years, but <clears throat> um, I ended up going to a Tony Robbins event. And whether you love or hate Tony Robbins, I, I will say that the the content there was life-changing for me in this regard because we sort of went to this, <clears throat> he had this exercise where we went to the space of worst case scenario and I was in tears, I was crying and I walked out of that room that weekend completely shifted and like, mm. I got to stop putting my energy towards all the what ifs and the bombs that are going to go off if we don't do this. I need to shift my energy towards, you know, more and abundance. And how do we bring in more money? And how do we bring in more sales? And how do we do this? And the uh, the moment I did that, our business went from like barely getting by every month to like within three months, we were like uber profitable. And, you know, like I was finally bringing in money into the house through the business, which was a big milestone. We hadn't been able to do that in years. And because mm-hmm. of this mindset shift, um, and my husband will credit it too. He's like, the moment you walked out of Tony Robbins' room, like the, our business, our entire experience with money, our entire experience with this entrepreneurial life together completely changed. Mm. And it's that. still a process, by the way. Like of I course. still have the money block. I mean, it's all here. It's still here. And I still it's have a lifetime to of it. learning, generations of, of learning. It's in ourselves sometimes. But I love that. Um, I would imagine my hypothesis would be the shift was that you got more curious about, well, what could bring in the money? What could change things for us? What can we try? And I just feel like curiosity when we have that mindset, it's such it's such a more fun place to be. And our brain really thrives on that, right? Yeah. Versus fear, which just becomes this cage that yes. holds us back in so many ways. Yeah. Like if you think really, really honestly, if you take an inventory of your life right now and say like, what am I doing because of fear? because I'm too scared to do X, because I'm too scared to do Y, because I'm too scared of what other people will think of me if I do A, B, C, and D. And if you if you line that up with what it is your heart and your soul really want to do, I'll bet there's some cleaning up there. And I'll bet if you could just say like, whoosh, okay, like I'm not willing to dance with fear here. I'm mm. willing to walk in and go into a room with fear behind me because she's always gonna be there. She's probably holding yep. my hand at that point, but I'm uh-huh. not gonna let her lead. I'm not going to let her lead. It's not worth it because there's too much life to live here. And I'm not willing to dance over there in that tiny little box where everyone tells me that I should be because fear is demanding I'm there. Like that's not the point of life. I just feel like we need to sit with that visualization for a moment. I wrote this down. I've been taking notes like crazy, but (laughs) what am I doing because of fear? I am not willing to dance with fear. She is not leading. I love that so much. I want everyone listening to ask that question. What am I doing because of fear? 
because we can live, my friend Katrina calls it a technicolor life. If we can live this gorgeous technicolor life if we don't make decisions solely based on fear, if we're really present and curious and having fun with it. Mm. I could talk to you about this for hours, hours yeah. and hours. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> let's move into though your women's meditation network, your podcasting and Podfest Expo and all these cool things that you do. Like you're just, I feel like every time I read something about you, because you're you're in the newspaper sometimes, and then of course we're in the podcasting world together and Every time I see something about you or read something about you, it just seems so fun. I was like, oh my gosh, there she goes again, doing something really fun and and really cool. And like, oh my God, a million downloads a week on her <laughs> network. Like what? <laughs> That's insane. And just listeners, just for a frame of reference, if you're not podcasters, Buzzsprout um, put out a report that if you're getting about... Um, what somewhere around 25, 30 downloads on your podcast, your episode, you're in the top three quarters. If you're getting somewhere around a hundred, you're in the top, what, about 50%. And if you're getting somewhere in the three hundreds, you know, you're moving up. So to get a million downloads a month, like that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and I don't like, talking about podcasting is just downloads. I think it's, there's so much more to the story than just downloads, yeah. but it's still, it's still an incredible number. It's a, good, so, it's a good marker. It's one of those key indicators of like, Hey, am I doing what I'm here to do? And this is one of those key indicators. So yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how did you, how did you come across like why podcast and why that one in particular? Yeah. So I discovered podcasting uh, back in 2013. And uh, I was late in 2013. Uh, my husband and I were, uh, you know, in this local business owners organization. And one of the people who came and talked, talked about his podcast and how he got 5,000 people or 5,000 5, downloads every single month or every, every single episode he had back then. Um, and my husband and I were just blown away because we had done so much work for the month <laughs> to bring 100 people in the room physically. Which so, is insane. 100 people insane. in a room is a That's lot. That's a lot of work, right? Yes. So for us, it was just this opening of like, oh my God, like the impact, like the, the power of this tool, of this technology to impact is really big. So my first endeavors, I, I launched a podcast a few, much, uh, a few months later in early 2014 called Biz Women Rock because it was sort of this place where my love of entrepreneurship could meet my love of women. And I was one of the very first um, podcasts out there. There were, when I launched, there were, th there were three of us who were women entrepreneurs talking to other women entrepreneurs. That was it. Um, and wow. yeah. And so it was really exciting to be on that, uh, on that, you know, big wave. And I loved it. And I did interviews. I met so many amazing women. I dove headfirst into this podcasting arena and just found it to be incredibly welcoming and creative and fun. I came into podcasting because I got the concept as a business person. Like I got the business model. If I could really harness this technology, I could bring my message to millions and millions of women around the world, which was has always been a dream of mine. And so, you know, I chose business because that's what I was passionate about uh, back then. And um, and it was awesome. For almost six years, I, you know, I grew that. I didn't have a kid. I didn't have any any kids when I started that. About a year or two into it, um, I had my very first daughter. And that was a giant shift too. Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, how am I going to manage this whole like business and babies thing? And, you know, it got, I got into this really great cadence. It was uh, kind of a very typical uh, podcast where, you know, I was bringing on all these guest experts. We were having these great conversations. I was building a community of all the listeners. I provided, you know, high-end coaching and, and strategic business consulting, masterminds, live events, courses, memberships, you name it, that I did it. And it was great. And it was kind of my first it was really like my first go at like doing a business on my own. And so there was a lot of mistakes, lots of mess ups, lots of like emotional, you know, ego stuff holding me back from really sprinting the way that I wanted to. But I learned a lot. 
And in early 2018, January of 2018, I was at a CEO retreat for myself, kind of putting the final touches on like the big annual plan. I had planned to triple business that year, go from like, you know, I think I just crested 100,000 in revenue. And I was like, great, I'm going for 300,000. Let's go. And I was on fire. I loved what I was doing and what I had created by that point. I had um, a two and a half year old. And I was like, let's go. I'm I'm digging this. And fast forward April of that year, we found out we were pregnant with our second daughter, Savannah. And within a heartbeat, everything changed. And I was like, I don't want it anymore. I'm done. <laughs> Which was a very terrifying thought because um, that business and that model required me to show my face in order for me yeah. to make money. And, um, and so it was very terrifying that not only this, like, I don't want it, but I have no desire to show up right now. Like I can't, it makes my stomach churn if I want to go on a Facebook live right now, or like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I didn't know why I felt that way. I just knew like there was just this, no, I'm done. So I, what I did is I, I just sort of slowed down a lot. I took a big pause. And instead of launching all these things that I had planned to launch, um, I just said, like, I'm just going to do what's already on my plate. I'm just going to meet with my clients. I'm going to show up when I feel like it for other marketing stuff. But if not, like, I'm just going to let it be what it is because I've got some stuff to figure out. So I, I went into a quiet space for a couple months and my husband and I w- would go on walks every single day. One day I would proclaim like, I'm super women. I could do this. I'm going to have an infant and a toddler. I could totally make this business a million dollar business. This will force me to make it a million dollar business and, and then some. Come on. And then the next day I would show up and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be a full-time mom. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. Let me not do the, any of this anymore. And so one walk in particular, it was, uh, it was May. It was, it was just a few weeks later. So it was early May. Um, my husband and I are on a walk. I have, you know, vomited out all of my range of emotions. And <laughs> Chris looks at me and he just says, uh, okay, what about that meditation idea? So back in January at my CEO planning retreat, one of the many ideas I had to, to triple business was I'm going to have, I'm going to expand my podcast and make it a network, right? And one of the other random ideas I had was I'm going to make a meditation podcast for women. And... um and I had told him about it in January, and we both sort of looked at the landscape. My husband, my husband is genius, marketer, genius in the podcasting space. And so he knew enough to know, like, like nothing like this exists, like you could do this. And mm-hmm. I didn't do anything with it because it didn't fit my script for business back then. And, uh, and so now here we were in May, and he's saying, what about that meditation idea? And I say, what about it? And he says, what about it? And that planted a seed for what could this thing be and what might I want it to be and why did I have that idea in the first place and what what are my what do I really want to be doing here in this world so what came out of that was the women's meditation network and I was very clear early on that it would do a couple of things for me it would allow me to really have time freedom with my mm-hmm. kids um, with my other business, I had to show up. I had to have my butt in the seat in order to make money. And while I could build something a little bit more, quote unquote, you know, automated, um, that's that was definitely a longer haul. And but this one, I could I could write and record my meditations on my time during naps and bedtimes. And, you know, I didn't really have to show up for any meetings and I could build that. Um, and then the second thing I knew was it I knew intrinsically this is my next evolution of of work with women in the world. This is my next evolution, which no one seemed to under no one understood. There's no way you would understand that if you were not me. Like somebody, many people looked at me and said, "You have a podcast for business women, and now you want to do meditation? Or who are you? Are you insane? Like that? <laughs> and you have a successful, you know, business here. Like what are you doing?" And I just, I, there were a couple of pretty significant people in the podcasting arena who were like, don't do this. This is so stupid. And I was like, okay, thank you. I really appreciate your opinion. <laughs> um, and I knew it was the right thing. So, so what I did for about a year and a half is, so I, I you know, quickly launched uh, Meditation for Women, which is the very first of the eight, now eight podcasts that I have. And for two years, year and a half, two years, I basically scaled down my other business going from doing all these programs to having the memberships, doing the courses to literally like just having one-on-one clients and even minimizing even that. I 
obviously had my daughter by the end of that year. And so um, so here I was for about a year and a half, two years managing two kids, two businesses, scaling down one while the others grew. Um, and it took th- within the first three months, the third, I still remember October of uh, 2018, Meditation for Women hit 5,000 downloads a month, which was what Biz Women Rock was getting on a regular monthly basis. Wow. And I was like, okay, universe, I get it. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, and and so fast forward, you know, it's early 2020. Um, and I've just officially said goodbye to Biz Women Rock, like done, don't have any more responsibilities there. My daughter, my my new daughter at that time was a year old. And I was like, great, let's go. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to full, go full force with Women's Meditation Network. I, You know, I'm finally out of the one-year mommy f- head phase. I've been able to keep up one show a week. Now let's go. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I started just very patiently looking at my numbers and noticed right away that they were skyrocketing. I can still remember, I believe it was March of 2020, I I hit 100,000 downloads for that month. And what that told me is like, oh my God, people are like seeking this out. Like that was a number Mm -hmm. that was completely mind blowing for me. I could not fathom Mm -hmm. getting, having that number. And, but I, what it told me is like, people are seeking this out. And so what do I do? I need to do more. So in this time when I felt like the common, the common theme was slow down and you need to stop. I was like, I'm ramping up. I know I need to go. I, I need to run as fast as I can. And I've got two kids at home in quarantine and we need to figure this out. <laughs> so um, so I just, my, you know, my husband and I, he, my husband had just finished his uh, big, big podcasting conference. So like between my husband, uh, my brother-in-law, my, my, uh, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, like we figured out our little pod and we moved the kids, you know, everyone was supportive and... I just made a crap ton of meditations and the numbers just kept going up and up and up. And I was like, okay, I'm just respond. I know because I was feeling everything that was pretty universally being felt. And so I was just writing these little poems about how I was feeling and how I could offer comfort and, um, and not to get too overwhelmed by everything. Like I, I was in those moments with just as mm-hmm. we all were. So I felt like those were really resonating. And so, so I, you, I was like, okay, I'm going full board. And then uh, a couple months later in uh, July, I think of 2020, I launched sleep meditation for women. And then six months later, I launched morning meditation. And I've just been launching more and more ever since. So now I have eight podcasts that are a part of the whole network. And here we are, what, four and a half years later since I began it. And um, and it has been, you know, I don't know if there's any one reason why it is where it is. It's accumulation of a lot of different mm-hmm. things but i'm i have been very conscious with every baby step along the way of what i'm building and why there the and the business was not profitable for the first two and a half years really um i mean we took out like a second mortgage like we did a refi it wasn't a second mortgage we took out a refi at some point in there and i was like i'm in, like we are investing in what's what we know to be true like i don't care like let's go full board um and so it took like two and a half two and a half years to get it to some level of profitability and and I was very willing to do that because I saw and I knew that this, we're good. We're going. Like, let's go. Mm, I love listening to your passion. I love listening to the way we're hearing you share how you listen to your gut. You go for it. You take the risks. I mean, refinancing and credit cards and whatever you need to do. Like, we're going to make this happen and getting your family to help with the kids and just like all the things I I love hearing you talk about the struggle with so much joy and like yeah well we're just we're just going to do this. I was wondering if you'd be okay if I share one of your meditation poems because I do love they do sound like poems. Yeah, that's very intentional. Um, I'm a yes. writer, remember? I want to write. Yes. <laughs> I want to give you this little love poems. Is so beautiful. Um it's called After You Put the Kids to Sleep. <laughs> And I love this one because I think we can all, (laughs) we can all identify with this. Actually, I don't know. I should probably have you read it because your voice is so beautiful. Okay. Drop your shoulders, mama, and release the remains of the day. The littles are finally sleeping. It's your turn to exhale it away. Long pause. Your mind may be spinning with all that's left to do. 
but your body's simply wanting to deeply relax and renew. Pause. The job that you are doing of caring for someone so young, often unseen and unsung. This is my favorite part coming up. It's okay if you lost it. It's okay if you messed up. Surrender yourself to sleep now and let deep rest fill your cup. I'm going to stop there. It keeps going, but I love that. I love the feeling we have all been there of like, it's bedtime and oh my God, and now I've got to do the dishes and the laundry and clean up this and do that. And oh my God, I messed up this and this today. And I yelled at them and I could have been more patient and I could have been more present and all of those monsters that attack us at night after the kids go to bed. And I just love that meditation. So I can see why people love listening to you. Mm, thank you for reading that. That means... That means the world to me. I, I think what is not always obvious to most outsiders to my life is that like that, that's my life's work, like to mm -hmm. be able to write something that really touches and tugs at, at your heart and that really resonates with you and that that can dive right into your, your consciousness and really like hug you like mm -hmm. that's my work. And I feel mm -hmm. like, um, I'm constantly practicing being able to be a better writer to be able to do that better. You know, I just happen to, I just happen to package these poems in a meditation, really. And I'm gonna, yeah. you're gonna get like all the be all the benefits of meditation, right? Like feel less stress, mm -hmm. relax into sleep easier, right? Like you're you're gonna get those, but like really, what my deep intention is is that you will feel connected to the words so deeply mm -hmm. that it will encourage you to be here with yourself so that you know exactly what to do along this journey because that voice becomes really clear because that's the power of meditation. That's the power of this practice and those are the power that I intend in those words to get open up that space so that you could see those answers really clearly and find that courage and really just the truth of how to move forward, you know? Mm -hmm. And in this time of insane hustle culture and mommy guilt and just the, all the stuff just to take time to be quiet for a moment, even if it's three or four minutes, it's yeah. just so beautiful and so important. So thank you for that. On that note, we are going to switch into the part of the podcast where I ask my guests the same three questions because it's yeah. a really fun way to get to know a different side of you. Um, even though I could talk to you about all of this stuff. <laughs> I'm really lucky, listeners, because I get to interview Katie in a couple of weeks for I, my other podcast, Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. So we get to have the conversation again. And then I get to hang out with her in January at PodFest Expo. So I'm lucky. I feel lucky I, I get to hang out with I you I consider again. myself the lucky one for that, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. All right. So let's get into it. Um, yeah. I love books. And so do the people that listen. So we always love to know, what book are you reading right now? Um, right now I'm reading one that I've read at least three or four times, which is not, which is a total rarity for me. I don't usually do that. It's a book by David Goggins and it's called Can't Hurt Me. And I would consider oh. it a must read for any human being who breathes air. Um, it is, inspirational is, does not uh, cover what it really is. It is such a, it's a, uh, it's a telling of his story in a way that really brings home what the truths of life are and how to live your best life, your best, best life, not anyone else's, um, and how to do that by embracing pain and, mm. and transcending through really tough times and allowing that to harden yourself in a way that helps you blossom. And uh, he is just a phenomenal human being. I highly recommend that you listen to the audiobook version because it's actually he and his um, his writer, the the you know the guy who who physically wrote the book for him, um, Adam, the two of them are talking in between each chapter about and they have a conversation oh, cool. about the chapter. So it's really beautiful that those conversations are great. and it it's a giant kick in the ass. like, yeah, uh, it, it, you want to talk about like what areas of my life are being lived because of fear, like that book will will bring them to light very quickly. And it'll you have nothing left to do other than kick yourself in the butt to like go towards what you really want in this life. So it is I I read it very much of like I just press play and wherever it ends up playing like that's what I needed to hear for the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I can't recommend that book enough. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing. 
Okay, hardest question of the day. This one always gets everybody. <laughs> They're making the movie of your life and you get to pick three songs for the soundtrack. What are your three, th- three songs? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I know, this is the hardest. <laughs> um, I Am Light by India Ari. Mm, I love I her. am light, I am light. Oh, I love that. that. Such, oh, a beautiful such a beautiful song. song. Go listen to that on YouTube right now. Um, oh, Talk about gosh. a poet. She is a poet. Yes. Mm. Yes, love she her. is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just hearing like the Rocky theme song in my head somewhere. <laughs> Like, I don't even know the the words. I just like, I know like the, okay, (laughs) the purpose of the Rocky theme song. Like Uh I got Uh that in me. Um, And uh, uh, okay. The last one is if you've seen the movie Encanto, the very end song that says, um, uh, we see how bright you burn. We see how brave you've been. Now see yourself in turn. You're the real gift, kid. That speaks oh. to my ego who never feels, mm. might never feel good enough and is like mm. the mirror of like, no, you're the gift. Those are my three oh. songs. That is so beautiful. And I can tell you have two little girls because you're <laughs> quoting and kind of all the animated <laughs> movies. Those are all the- <laughs> All the ones in my head. <laughs> but oh my God, that movie was so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I was, oh. I, I'm in tears every time I watch it. They're always I like, know. mom, are you crying again? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I am. And when uh, you watch it as an adult, you'll cry too. I know. It's, there, it's so deep. All right. Last question. Yeah. And I hate for this to be the end of our conversation, but it's just for now. So the last question is, what act of radical audacity have you done recently that you're really glad you said heck yes to? Um, there's a lot, but I would say, um, I am very glad I say, said yes to hiring my first full-time employee. Actually, that's a big Ooh. giant step for a business owner. Um, yeah. I have, uh, I work with probably about like seven to eight different contractors at any given time. So I'm not a stranger to like managing the team. Um, but I actually brought on my sister, uh, mm. earlier this year as my full-time operations manager and, Oh man, I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> it was one of those Such like, oh, do I do that? Like, that's a big, big girl move. That's a big business move. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I am so glad that I did. And she had zero qualifications for this industry and had all the characteristics for this job and for mm-hmm. my vision. And she has, is wonderful and she thrives and, um, and we thrive together. And it's given me um, a really beautiful layered um, reason to keep growing this business because I get to do that with her and we get to do it together and it gets to impact her and her family and our families. So um, that's something that has had a ripple effect on my life and my business. And I'm really glad that I said yes to that instead of just hiring, you know, a couple other contractors who are, you know, working for other people like, no, I need my dedicated person here. And uh, I'm really glad I said yes to that. That is so beautiful. I love that. It's a big risk. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> oh, girl, we're talking like, em- yeah. you know, employee taxes, like oh, all yeah. the get up. Like that's all those. Oh, yeah. That's those are those big girl stuff. decisions. Plus family. Plus family. I mean, family. And yep. so and because I don't come from an entrepreneurial family, like that was the moment where everyone was like, Katie, you have a business that actually can do this? And I was like, yeah. yeah. Va- like her name's Valerie. Valerie, you're- I have a big family. There's six kids. And so, you know, my mom's like, uh, everyone was like, uh, you're going to quit your very stable job in order to go work for Katie? And I was like, I mean, I'm kind of stable. Like I can, <laughs> I can, you know, like I'm growing. It's good. Um, so it was this. really, it was a really fun and interesting moment for my family too, in relation to like, who is this girl who does, what do you do, Katie? What do you do exactly? <laughs> That is so fantastic. I love it so much. All right, my dear, as we are saying goodbye to everybody, is there anything you want to let the people listening know? Um, You know, I feel like you and I are obviously very much on the same page as far as our desire to scream from the rooftops how important it is to live a a radically authentic and... um, just beautiful life that is 100% painted by you. And it's very, it's very easy for me to sit here 
after all these years, I'm 43 now. It's very easy for me to sit here in my 40, 43 years of age saying like, oh, yeah, I've stretched that muscle a lot. So easy to do. But it's 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 not. It's a lot of practice, mm-hmm. a lot of messing up and and a lot of amazing benefits from it. So, you know, I would continue to encourage you to just take baby steps, take big giant leaps when you feel and just know that no matter what, you're going to be okay. You're always okay. We're always okay. You know, and it's worth every single risk. I have loved this conversation so much. Thank you. Me too. How can people find you? you? Um, well, you can find me at uh, womensmeditationnetwork.com. And um, and I believe right now, uh, I think you and I spoke about uh, the gratitude giveaway. Did we talk about the gratitude oh, giveaway? No, I mean, I knew oh, you had something, but girl, okay. I was waiting for you to. to yeah, sorry. Say, yes. Ooh. Okay, so we're during the month of November, we're doing a whole gratitude giveaway. So what that means is it's my opportunity to shower you with gifts, you the listeners, anyone who's listening to any of my meditations, any of my podcasts, because I just want to say thank you. Um, so mm-hmm. all you have to do to enter and by the way, the the giant gifts are we're giving away 10 different gift bags worth over $300 of all my favorite health and wellness products, um, really amazing products in there. And I am mailing these to you, to these 10 winners. So all you have to do to enter is three easy steps. Number one, go and subscribe and listen to any one of my eight podcasts. And you could do that by just typing in meditation for women on your podcast player that you're listening to now. They'll all come up. Go choose a couple that, you know, sound interesting to you. The one that from uh, put the kids, you know, after you put the kids to bed, um, that one is on sleep meditation for women. Um, so go subscribe, listen, and then step number two, go put a an honest review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you liked about the episode. I would love to hear from you. What? Let me know what they've been, you know, what how you've received them, what they've meant to you. Take a screenshot of that. And then step number three is go share that on Instagram or Facebook, tag Women's Meditation Network, and we will see it. And you are officially entered. And we're drawing the, we're getting winners um, or entries all throughout the month of November. And then we'll choose a winner in December. Well, that is exciting. Yeah. Yay. And I mean, everybody listening, you should listen to the Women's Meditation Network. There is, between the eight podcasts, there is something that will make your day better because they're they're beautiful little pieces of poetry. I kind of think of like Morgan Harper, Nichols, Young Pueblo, like it gives that beautiful feeling when... I read what you wrote when I listen to what you write. It's it's just beautiful. So Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for being a great guest today. Tiffany, thank you so much for everything that you put out there with this podcast. It's obviously everything I believe in. So I'm so grateful and humbled that I got to be a part of it today. Oh, dear listener, wasn't this a juicy episode? I love the way Katie listened to her inner knowing At a tender young age, she started us off with her college example of just choosing her own path and choosing her own knowing and doing the things that felt right to her. I loved her mother's advice of just listen. Whatever you choose, you will be fine. And I feel like all of us need that voice whispering in our ear at all times. Just listen to that voice inside yourself. Just listen to your inner knowing and your intuition. Whatever you choose, you will be fine. I love how she talked about the exercise she does of what if this doesn't work and walking down the road of what happens when it doesn't work. Those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a while have heard me talk about that kind of exercise of really thinking about what is my biggest fear? What if this does not work? What if I don't have the money to pay rent? What if I can't buy groceries? What if, what if, what if? And walking down that road for the purpose of problem solving and saying, hmm, even these worst case scenarios aren't so bad. I can find a way out of them. And some of the world's greatest entrepreneurs have 
literally physically gone down that road and had the worst case scenario happen to them and they pulled out of it stronger than ever. So I love that Katie talked about going through this exercise. She talked about how those losing moments, quote unquote, losing moments where you lose, where you fail, those are the most meaningful part of life. And she talked about playing life. And I love this playful, expressive attitude she had where she just said, I'm not willing to have a life that's unlived. I am not willing to live this safe, drab life by other people's rules that is a life unlived. And she went into that question that we brought up in the beginning, that question of what am I doing because of fear? And I love the image she gave us of saying, I am not willing to dance with fear. She may come to the dance. She'll always be there. I mean, fear is always going to be there. But she doesn't have to lead. I don't have to dance with her. She doesn't have to lead. She could be in the room. I can wave and smile and say hi. But she doesn't have to lead the dance. I thought that was a really powerful image, a joyful image. And I love that take on fear. You all know how much I love having discussions about fear. Please go check out Katie, listen to her meditations. They are so inspiring. And she has a giveaway. I've put the details of the giveaway down in the show notes so that you can check out her giveaway and get in to win one of her bundles. So go ahead and do that. While we're at it, while you're down there checking out the show notes, please make sure that you share this episode with a friend. You sharing helps more people to find the episode. Word of mouth is such a powerful way to have my podcast be found. I love connecting with my audience. So reach out to me, DM me, let me know what you thought of this episode and Let me know what kind of topics you would like me to discuss, what kind of guests you'd like me to bring on, and the things you'd like me to explore. I really want this podcast to be super meaningful to you. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember to raise the volume of your voice. I'm listening.